0: Hello creatives. Welcome back to the Do It For The Process podcast. I am so happy to be with you today. I'm sitting in my car studio as always and I have a lot to, um, to unpack and to talk through with you but really I just want to say hi. How was your holiday season? How was your autumn? Are you ready for this new year? I definitely am question mark I think. I am back from sabbatical. And I want to talk a little bit about sabbatical and what that means as a creative entrepreneur and why that's valuable how to make it happen in your creative life if that's what you feel like you need but first and foremost let me just say hello if you don't know who I am if you're maybe new to the podcast or new to my voice my name is Emily Jeffords I'm an artist and creative I get to teach thousands of creatives how to run creative businesses, along with creating my own fine art, um, our, my own products that come out of my studio, prints, candles, affirmation cards, calendars, all the beautiful things. Um, I get to run a, gr- like a, a, an, a <laughs> clearly words are not even coming to my mind, an astounding, beautiful, multifaceted, glorious business. Um, I get to employ some incredible humans, mostly women. And it's an honor to get to show up in this space with you to have these talks with you. It's an honor to get to show up in the world as a creative entrepreneur. And if you're a creative entrepreneur, you are in the right place because this podcast, as you can probably tell by all the past episodes and their titles, is dedicated to helping creative entrepreneurs thrive it's called do it for the process because i firmly believe that when you do your creative work both in the studio and in your business because you love the process of pursuing something you love the process of uncovering and discovering and up leveling your vision and perfecting your output and just playing all of it as a game All of it is a game. All of it is a space to play and to invent. When that's your mindset, you can create a business that makes you very happy, that is profitable because oftentimes profit follows joy. Write that down. Keep that in mind. And one that is sustainable, because if you're having fun and if you're running something profitable, then you can keep doing it and keep iterating and keep inventing and and expanding until you create something that looks just like you and not like anyone else. Not like me, not like your other collective members, not like your other making artwork students, like no one else in the universe, because you are using your creativity to bring light to the world. And that is so valuable. And I hope that you take all of those ideas into 2022 with you and far beyond 2022 also. I hope that they take you through the rest of your creative career. On that note, if you have a notebook out, if you have some scrap paper on your art table or somewhere in your workspace or maybe in your kitchen on your counter (laughs) or maybe your phone app, maybe you wanna use your notes app on your phone, completely fine. I love a good notes app memory uh, or not memory, but just kind of capturing of an idea, you know? I want you to write down several words. They're all going to string together Um, Let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. And these words, in my opinion, and from what I've seen in my own life and in many, many, if not all of the creatives that I've had the honor of watching, both from the membership and the courses that I lead, or from art history, or from other artists that I just admire and love to look at, we all do this rhythm, And I think if you can be conscious of this rhythm and where you are currently residing in the rhythm, you can find a lot of clarity and a lot of permission to rest where you are. So are you ready? And this does come back to sabbatical, by the way. The words are inspiration, learn, practice, perfect, improve, master, and repeat inspiration learn practice perfect improve master and repeat and these words string together in a way that i think feels very holistic and very gentle very natural you know we all kind of flow through life with these these words at the heart of learning something new or settling into a new age or into a new relationship or into a new process, or it can be big things and small things. It could be a new relationship where you're having to partner with somebody where you're, you're getting inspiration and then you're learning and you're practicing how to do this and then you're perfecting how to do this and then you're improving yet again and then mastering and repeating. Or it can be as simple as maybe you picked up oil painting for the first time it's not easy. <laughs> I'm an oil painter. I'm still learning so much about this medium. So you have your initial inspiration and then you have your phase of learning about that inspiration. You know, why did that beautiful idea come into your mind? Why did that light you up or come to you in the night or, or settle into your heart and mind while you were on a walk? Or why did you have that idea while you were in an art museum? That's the inspiration phase where something settles into you and it finds home an idea comes into your mind and it feels like it belongs there for some reason. We have a lot of ideas that don't belong and they may feel fun and they may feel like, oh, that was fresh. That was, that was interesting. And then they float away. Um, Liz Gilbert talks a lot about this inside of big magic. And I think it's a beautiful analogy for how it feels to be a creative and how it feels to be a sensing wholehearted, you know, creative. (laughs) That word is so, is so good for this. Um, but the inspiration phase, what I'm kind of talking about is that inspiration that keeps coming back and it keeps saying, I belong inside of you, which which encourages you to do that learning phase where you begin to learn about why does this inspiration feel like it belongs inside of me or why does it feel like it needs to come out of me? What is it saying? How can I internalize it further? How can I begin to learn about how to create this thing? For instance, one of the things that I would love to do is play with ceramics at some point in my life. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I don't have enough space to honor that inspiration well, but I do think that it will be something that I do maybe in a couple of years, maybe in my early 40s. That would be a lovely way of, you know, honoring my hands and my abilities in that stage of life. Um, So while I'm in this phase, I don't need to learn about it. It's just in the inspiration phase right now. However, something like I want to create a series of really large oil paintings. That's my inspiration now, to paint bigger, to let my work take up more space, to own the physical space that my art can take up in the room. I think that's important for myself, just for where I am in my creative career. I think it's important for more women to do that in general, to let your art be big and to take up space. I was recently in Paris on my sabbatical, which I will come back to. This is all coming back around, ready? Um, I was in Paris on sabbatical and saw the art of William de Kooning. And I've never seen his work in person before. I wasn't even really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that I knew a lot about him or his work. I knew of his name and I've seen images, you know, art history class. I'm an art history nerd, although don't ask me any details because I don't do dates and details well, but, (laughs) um, I was definitely like, he was, he was not, an someone that wasn't in my brain at all, but I walked into the room saw his work on the walls and was in awe and if you don't know of of William de Kooning's work just go look it up do yourself a little treat um fall in love you will it'll be wonderful I need to turn off slack apparently my team is being delightful um I walked into the room was in awe of the size and the freedom and the expression and the, I could feel the energy of the human William, you know, standing in front of his canvas. I could feel the heat of his arms in motion. Um, the, the actual physical energy that your body has to exude to make something this large, it is different than when you create small. And I've been creating small for a while, partly because of necessity, partly because of time constraints, partly because... It takes a lot of energy to paint large, and I haven't had a lot of energy. So seeing this large, big, gestural work, oh, it just brought me to life. And then I was there with my dear friend Tanya Vall, which, if you don't know Tanya, go look up her work. It's also such a visual treat. She's such a creative master, and I really love her so much, and her, her creative expression and her creative work, and just who she is as a person. She's a delight. Um but we were in the room together and we just we just went on and on about how the work was impacting us and can you imagine making this kind of stroke and making this kind of form and then walking away and saying this is good and not having to perfect everything not having to over criticize or refine just to make the mark and then to say that mark is good anyways it's a bit of a tangent but for where I am in the learning phase, I am learning about why this inspiration matters to me. Why do I feel like this needs this this has a home inside of me? I can feel that it belongs. And now I need to learn about both, you know, how to internalize it emotionally, but also practically, like what kind of tools do you use to create this large work? What kind of paint sticks or brushes or washes? What kind of Like the logistics of creating the work is now where I'm settling in for this part of the process. And then practice. Practice is where we live for most of our lives, I think. And that is where the do it for the process part of us really comes into play. Because as you practice, you get to fall in love. And as you practice, you get to be vulnerable. And as you practice, you get to do things that are not good. And that's okay. That's okay. You're an artist. You are not supposed to create Perfection. You're supposed to create things that have vulnerability and some depth and some soul to them, which means that you have to go out on a limb and that limb might look like you making a fool of yourself every now and then. And that is so valuable and so generous. When humans can see humans trying things, then we have permission to try things ourselves. That is one of the most generous things we can possibly do for our communities, for ourselves, for the viewer of the work that you're creating. So practice. You don't have to share everything with your audience or with the world or with your galleries or whatever. You can keep practice things quiet if you need to. But allowing yourself to not always be perfect, it's so valuable. It's so valuable. Okay, and then we get into perfect. That's the next word in our string of words here. And perfect is where you become pretty good. You become pretty good. Like, you know that you can show up in the studio or you can show up at your computer or your writing desk or your whatever you're creating. It can be cookies. It can be, you can be the best bed maker ever. You can be the best hammock weaver, whatever. This is a broad stroke that we're talking about here. It was, you know, general practice and general perfecting of things. But you know that you can show up in that space and you can do a great job. And then we have space to improve. To iterate, to perfect, to find ways of um, changing and letting things feel fresh. I was talking with my brother about this because he's a musician and he writes music. I'm a painter and I paint paintings. And we both have a similar experience where we do something really, really well and it almost becomes easy. And in that ease, there's a lot of comfort because you can just do something for the meditation of it or for the rhythm. It doesn't feel like a struggle in the same way that something new feels. It feels like this is where my hands belong. There's a lot of muscle memory there, a lot of um, finding rhythm, finding space to just really settle in and feel comforted. And that's where you can get into the improving space because once you feel comfortable, then you can say, okay, I'm really good at this what if I added this on top? Or what if I changed this a little bit? Or what if I just shifted to create that fresh energy and that fresh, um, almost, almost like a, a rubbing of two things where you're creating some, some friction, you're creating a little bit of, of lack of harmony, because you're trying something new. I think that's so exciting. Then we get into the master. And this is where we often feel tempted to live. If you've gone far enough in your career to get to this this master level, whatever that means for you. <laughs> uh, I, I think about this when I walk through a Picasso museum. Um, I think a lot of people would say that Picasso's work at, its, at his earliest phases was his masterpieces. They were very refined, super well done, super, super excellent. Like technically perfection. But he didn't settle there. He looped back around to that inspiration and that learning and that practice until he came up with something that was so far removed from his early work. I mean, not recognizable as the same artist unless you've known his journey, um, which I think is powerful. So, as you get to the master mastery phase, and it can be mastery of a small technique or of a body of work or of an idea or method, make sure that you don't remain there and that you go back to the beginning, back to that inspiration phase, and you let yourself try something completely new. So, on to my sabbatical. All right, ready? So, <laughs> I'll loose back around. I spent a month in Paris. It was. Actually, it was supposed to be about um, like 12 days. It was supposed to be just under two weeks that I was going to be in Paris. But it kept extending a little bit and then extending a little bit more. And then my family came and then we didn't really want to leave and ended up being a month in Paris and then a week in New York. It was a delight, a true soul nourishing complete drenching of my heart and mind delight i cannot i'm so thankful i am so so grateful for this time that i got to take and that things kept humming along the studio without me and that it was what a gift what a absolute gift <laughs> but the reason that i decided to do this trip now um you know, there's a whole bunch of external factors. But inside of my practice, my creative practice, I think I need to go back to that beginning phase, I needed to go back to the inspiration and renew that part of myself, which inspiration for most of us takes, I'll speak for myself, inspiration for me takes some time. Often, we think that inspiration can just like, you know, flip on a switch, you're good to go, you have a new idea, just go for it that's not really how I work. I need time for things to settle in. I need time for new ideas to really take Mm -hmm. hold. That way I can translate them into the world in a way that feels like me. It feels very authentic to me. So my trip to Paris was a bit of that time of reigniting inspiration inside of my heart because something that helps me quite a lot is new experiences and shaking myself out of ruts and not becoming stagnant. I have this quote that I use and it sounds really morbid. <laughs> I'm very aware of that. My brother texted me last night and he's like, okay, give me a quote that you think represents your love of travel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's such a broad question. And Nathan, um, But one thing that I think represents my idea of why I love to travel is this quote that I I think, I'm sure I didn't make it up, but I'm not sure if anyone else, I don't know who to attribute it to, it just has been in my head. And the quote is, you can either choose to live, or you can choose to not live. And like I said, I know that sounds very morbid, but what it means to me is you can either actively choose to challenge yourself, or you can choose to remain stationary. And maybe that feels comfortable and nourishing for a while. Maybe you need that grounding. I've been in stages of my life where I need to be grounded and nourish. Um during when my when I was pregnant with, with my son, during his early months and maybe even his first year of life, I needed that grounding, that steady, gentle nourishment. After a big life change like a move or a new job, that like finding center again is so important. But at this stage of my life, I need to shake things up a little bit. I need a little bit of revitalizing of life, otherwise I'll find myself getting really grounded, like sinking into the ground a little bit too much, and I need to keep myself from doing that because I'm not happy when I'm when I'm stagnant. I'm happiest when I'm alive, when I'm trying new things and finding new things to just ignite my brain. So I knew this was happening. I knew that I was getting really good at my craft, that I was becoming um, a little bit too, I was settling into that, that perfect and improve and master phase a little bit too heavily and feeling very, very comfortable in my creative craft to the point that I felt like if I keep doing it this way, I'm just going to be bored. I don't love that feeling. I'm sure that you don't love that feeling either. I'm sure that you know what I mean. It's it's not a good look, right? It's not a good feeling. So my trip to Paris was my way of saying, I'm going to reignite something in myself. I'm going to be very receptive to new ideas, new inspiration, new feelings, new... I just let myself imagine again, right? And it was so powerful. It was so powerful that I almost didn't come back. I almost said, all right, moving to Paris now. We're not leaving. We're staying here forever. We did come back. I decided to be a little bit wise, a little bit logical, a little bit of a good parent, you know, (laughs) but man, it was hard for a minute there. It was really hard for a minute there. So that's why I went on sabbatical. Now, practically, how could I go on sabbatical and possibly how can you go on sabbatical? I've done this before. Um, My first sabbatical was about three weeks with my sister in also in Europe. We traveled all over Europe It was a wild trip. We were bouncing around, traveling on pennies. It was so much fun. I loved it so much. This is back in 2015, I think, maybe 2016. Um, And back then, I didn't have a team. I didn't have people that I could rely on. So I was creating space for this to happen in my business. I was the primary breadwinner for our family at this point. So I couldn't mess up. I couldn't not do my job and not be relied upon. I had to plan ahead to make this possible. And it was so much fun to do so. So back at that stage of my business and of my life, the way that I planned ahead was I had a collection launch and I decided that I would use half of the proceeds from this launch to go towards my travels. So I launched, I, I, first of all, I created a lot of work. I created a lot of paintings. I loved the process because I knew that I was working towards this beautiful dream of going to Europe with my sister. And we didn't, need a, we didn't need a lot of money for this trip to happen. Like I said, we traveled very affordably and very, um, you know, we we're just having fun making it happen, right? Like just, just doing it was the beauty. That was the adventure. We didn't need luxury hotels or Ubers everywhere or, you know, I didn't need a whole new set of suitcases, that kind of thing. <laughs> we could just hop on the cheapest flight possible and then bus around europe literally take a train just make it happen so i worked really hard to create this body of artwork i worked really hard to sell it um they did sell i made enough money i i think i sold everything from that collection which is awesome and it definitely takes some work to do so. If you're if you're kind of like wait, but how do you sell all your paintings? I have some podcast episodes about that. And also, if you are having that question in your mind about how to actually sell your work, definitely join Making Art Work when doors open in March. I'm just going to put that out here right now. It is what you need for sure, for sure, for sure. It's such a good course. Um, like I said, doors open March 3rd for Making Art Work. So I sold all the paintings made enough to go on my trip, made enough to supply for our family's rent and food and, you know, things like that while I was gone. And then I was able to leave and come back and kind of play some catch up because, of course, you know, I had to work a little bit extra hard when I got back to make that time away really valuable and really sacred as, you know, I didn't want to have to work a lot while I was there that's how I did it then. Now, this time I worked a little bit differently. This time my business is a little bit more sustainable. There's more margin built in both in my energy. Um, I'm not needed to work in quite such a hustle fashion as I was back in 2015 or 16, whenever that trip was. But um, I am still very needed, I think. Um, And my team is able to now kind of fill in the gaps when I am not present. We also build in this, I call it like sprint and rest, but I think of it like waves. I think of it like waves lapping on the shore and there are times when the waves are coming in and it's high energy and times where they're going out and it's low energy. So I plan this trip during an out time with during a rest time. So the studio was very, very busy. We sold a lot of products for the holiday season, but my energy in the studio is no longer required because now I have a studio manager and studio assistants and they package and ship everything. They do all the customer service for customers and they um, help me roll out products at certain times. So I don't need to be in the studio. This is the first year that's been the case, by the way. Every other year I've mailed packages with my own two hands. Um, last year, I think I mailed 400 ish packages from my living room. So this felt weird and decadent in a lot of ways, but I loved it. Oh, I loved it so much. So I left the studio in good hands. Sarah, my studio manager is absolutely an angel. She's clear. She's focused. She's on time. She does. Oh, she just runs that place. Like, like a beautiful clockwork machine and it's awesome um so i could leave that confidently knowing that it was in good hands on the education side so if you're wondering what i'm talking about i i sell products and paintings and things like that lots and lots of prints out of my studio and then i also run a membership called the collective and we have courses and we have things that we offer to the creative entrepreneurs in my life and in the world, which is so beautiful. So on that side of things, on the education side of things, we were in a bit of a gentle season. We have the content planned out for the collective. We have no launches during this season when I was going to be gone. So what I'm trying to say is there was some gentleness built into everyone's workload during this time, which is awesome. So if you're kind of thinking about how can I make this happen, plan around your schedule, which... I'm gonna just put in a little plug here. We just created, and well, I created. I I mean, <laughs> it's all a group effort now. I wrote, and then my beautiful designer made it beautiful. Um, so it is definitely a collaborative collaborative effort at this point. But we created a goal setting workbook for 2022, which if you're kind of like I don't know, my my you know my busy and my gentle seasons are download that workbook. It's totally free. It's very beautiful. Thanks to Karen, my amazing designer. Um, I wrote it from actual firsthand knowledge and experience about how to do this and what it feels like and why it's important. So definitely go to emilyjeffordslearn.com and download the goal setting workbook. You will definitely get a ton of value out of it. Inside of that workbook, there are eight worksheets that you can use to vision cast and to understand why certain things matter to you, understand what things should belong on your plate at certain times. You can map out your full year in in pencil, I would recommend because things always shift. Um, You can put your big important things on the calendar now. Let's say you want to go on vacation with your family. Put that on the calendar first because otherwise life gets in the way. Maybe you want to launch a collection of artwork in, in the spring put that on the calendar because that is a big project and it will take a lot of your hearts and a lot of your love. Maybe you want to launch products in in November or in October for the holidays. Kind of sketch that out now because you know that it will take up energy and time to make those things happen and to create those things. So, this workbook is very practical for planning your year. I'll actually walk through it with you in the next podcast episode because there's a lot to talk through about like how to actually Practically do this. So, if that's like something that you need, tune in to the next episode. It'll be really, really practical and really good. Okay, so let's go back to our words because I think that these bring a lot of perspective. And as I said a little while ago, if you know where you're falling on this process in a certain area of your life, or maybe in maybe in all of your life in some respects, then you can settle in and say, okay, right now I'm in the learning phase, or right now I'm on I'm in the practice phase. It's kind of nice because it lets you, it lets you take away a lot of pressure. If you know that you're in the learning phase, then it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make messes and to not know what you're doing and to just try a bunch of stuff and see what works best. If you are in the refining phase and you know that you can settle in and you can be picky and you can be careful and loving and, you know, you can work hard to make things really, really beautiful. So once again, those words are inspiration. Inspiration. And that might mean rest, that might mean space, that might mean travel, that might mean long walks, that might mean looking up images on Pinterest, although I recommend not doing too much of that kind of synthetic inspiration gathering. But if that helps you, then go for it. That might mean that you go to the library and read books or go on walks in a busy city, whatever makes you come alive, do that. Next, we have learn which is the messiest phase of all. <laughs> Studying, researching, trying few, some things out. Maybe they don't go well. Maybe they do. Either way. Um, right now, I have a box under my art table that is definitely in the learn phase. It is a box full of raw canvas. I have never used raw canvas before in my whole life. I've always primed it first with, with gesso and, um, you know, whatever else but I wanna try some raw canvas paintings. I'm, I'm playing with ideas, I'm researching, I don't wanna be rash, but I do wanna just try some stuff out and see where it goes. So inspiration, learn, and then practice. This is where a lot of us settle in for quite a while into the do it for the process phase, where we are practicing, and it sometimes looks great and sometimes looks terrible, and that's completely fine and normal please hear me when I say this it is completely fine to not be perfect okay next after practice we move into the perfection stage now I don't mean perfection like you are you are perfection I mean that you are perfecting you are working to make things a little bit more refined or to your vision or freer or looser whatever you think is is the right way to go and then we have the improving phase where you're seeing your your iterations and you're seeing how they're being refined. Maybe, actually, maybe perfection should be changed to refining phase. What do you think about that? Hmm. If that feels better to you, cross out perfect and maybe write refine instead. Whichever one feels better to you is fine with me. Okay, after that perfect slash refine phase, you are going to move into the improving phase where you're seeing ways to, you know, critique and to create really, really good work, really good work, work that really speaks to your vision and has its own voice and has its own presence in the world. Settle into this phase because this is really important and really fun. Okay, then we have the master phase where you're like, all right, I'm great. This idea has seen itself to completion. It is good. Hang in the museum. Let's do it all over again. And then we have the repeat phase where you go back to the beginning. And they may overlap. You may be in the the perfect phase with one medium, but in the uh, the learning phase with a different medium. Or you might be in the the mastery phase with something, but in the inspiration phase with something else. And I think that's kind of fine or kind of fun to just let your inspiration, your creativity, like you know, kind of dance in that way, where you can be really great at something, but trying something new at the same time. I think that's so exciting. I hope that you have a, a year that is completely full of this kind of exploration and permission. I hope that you hear inside of this whole episode, a lot of permission to settle in to your process, whatever it looks like, whether it's beautiful whether it's ugly, whether it's messy, whether you're certain or uncertain, whether you are feeling comfortable and like you're mastering something or you're feeling like this this is new and I'm going on that first date with this idea and it's awkward. Wherever you are on that process with a certain medium or idea or thing or challenging new, beautiful, glorious mess, enjoy it. That is why we do it for the process. That is why this life fills us. And I hope that your year is full of those moments, full of that repetition. I can't wait to see what you create. It's gonna be beautiful. Like I said, go download the uh, the goal-setting workbook. I'm going to talk about that in the next episode, but get a head start now. It's totally free. It's totally beautiful, thanks to Karen. It is really practical, thanks to me, and I think you're going to find a lot of heart and soul in it because, as I said, I know how this feels. I know what we were and were not taught in art school, which is... Not a lot about goal setting and how to run a business. I know what it feels like to create things from vulnerability and to put them into the world consistently. It feels like you are, oh, like you're bearing your heart every time, and and that doesn't go away. But you can get good at it. Yeah, I love that push and pull there. So um, I think it's going to be really, really encouraging and really helpful for you as you plan twenty twenty two. Okay. I can't wait to see you in the new year. Share your beautiful work. Um, share this podcast episode if you wouldn't mind with a friend that you think would benefit from hearing this with another artist or another creative. If you like this episode, would you please do me a favor and rate and maybe even review this episode? I don't ask for a lot of favors, but you know I am like sitting in my car right now alone and it is nice to hear from my listeners so if you wouldn't mind just give me a little your ideas or what what inspired you from this episode or what settled in for you and if you enjoyed it I'd love to hear that if you didn't like this episode well you've made it to the end congratulations no need to review you're good but I can't wait to be back in this space with you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a light in the creative community. Keep shining. Your work is worth the effort. Your work is good and beautiful, and it deserves your energy in 2022 and far beyond. All right. Bye for now.